You're listening to one of your favorite podcasts. It's Election Profit Makers, hosted by two terrific fellas. One of them is named me. That's Kid Midas, the original wave rider. And the other host is the one and only John Kimball. Hey. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right, all things considered, I suppose. John, how are you doing? I'm okay. Good. I'm happy to hear it. And welcome back, everyone, and thanks for uh, listening to us yet again through your headphones, Bluetooth speakers, car stereos, or (laughs) for you perverts, your Edison gramophones, (laughs) old-timey podcast listening apparatuses from Mm -hmm. days gone by. Mm -hmm. The days of yesteryear, John, versus the days of tomorrow. Who shall reign supreme, the past or the future? What's your take? Uh, The future. The future will win over the past? Generally, Hmm. It generally does. Well, the future can always get worse, whereas the past is just as worse as it ever was and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. So think about that. Mm, Okay. Okay? Okay. What will win, the left or the right? I'm talking about your turn signals, John, in your car. (laughs) Was that a good twist? That was shocking, right? Yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so much fighting these days between the left and the right. Sometimes I'm like... (laughs) Is this a nation of laws or a nation of turn signal indicators? Could they say that on CNN and people would would notice? Is that the kind of thing you could say in the heat of election and people would just not think about it? Or would it grind society to a halt if someone says something like that on CNN? When you add on the indicators, turn signal (laughs) indicators. That's when people would be like, something's going on at CNN. Something's not right. Yeah. Well, John, it's been a few weeks since we spoke to our listeners on this, uh, the podcast we're recording. And a lot has happened. I would like you to bring me up to speed as I've been busy with other matters of life and death. Was I supposed to be paying attention during all this? Oh, did you also give yourself permission to take time off? I I took I took some time off too. All right. I, well, you know I, what? I'll um, tell you what <clears throat> I'll tell you what happened. Fuck it. I'll tell you what happened. Wait a minute. You've been paying attention? I always just paid a little bit of attention the whole time I was down in Carolina. Okay. Here's the All big right. news. I'll tell you if I I'll tell you if I know. Okay. Well, okay. Let's gamify it. How about that? Let's gamify it. I'll okay. say something, and if I do a good job, I get ten points, and if I do a bad job, you get a hundred points. Okay. Okay. President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are playing a game of chicken when it comes to the debt ceiling negotiations. Biden, after insisting he would not negotiate with fiscal terrorists, has decided that, in fact, he will negotiate with the Republican caucus who want to slash spending in the hopes of bringing Biden into an unpopular position vis-a-vis the debt limit of money. Did that happen today? That is a current ongoing situation. I think Biden and McCarthy met today. Time, the clock is ticking. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has said, quote unquote, there will be huge fucking problems if we can't pay our bills, end quote. I think that happened. Okay. So how many points do I get for that? Uh, Ten. Exactly. So the score now is 10 to nothing. Okay. Another news. <laughs> All right. This is good. <laughs> this is good, uh, right? This is good. Yeah. Everything can be gamified. That's what we've learned. Yeah. In other news... Many um, important events have taken place across the world, some important and others less so. How many points do I get for that? Mm. Demonstrably true statement. I guess 10. Yep. The score now, 20 love. Welcome to Wimbledon, y'all. How about that? This is the Wimbledon of current events. It's part of the grand slam of political podcasts. So you know how to do, do scoring in tennis? Well, Speaking of to- tennis, congratulations to the University of North Carolina women's tennis team. 
won the NCAA championship that's in right, tennis. National champs, and that's ten points to John Kimball. Yeah, beat the NC State Wolfpack. The NC State what pack? Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Yeah. You're one of the people who pronounces it W-O-O-F instead of W-O-L-F. Pack. Wolf Pack is how you Wolf say it. Pack. How do you Wolf. say it? Wolf. Wolf. I can't talk on the phone right now. I'm being pursued by a pack of wolves. Wolf. That's how you would say it. Wolves. Wolf Wolf. Wolf pack. pack. The Wolf. LA Lakers, speaking of sports, have been shut out of the Western Conference semifinals. LeBron James might retire from playing basketball professionally. Was that true? Yep, that's true. Uh, the Boston Celtics are down three games to none to the Miami Heat. And speaking of Florida, we've saved the best for last. Uh, despite our best intentions and despite our most astute predictions, Kid Midas and Long John Silver find themselves on the wrong side of history yet again. As one of Florida's least charismatic public figures. Is oh, announcing- I thought you were talking. Wait a minute. Huh? I thought you were talking about the Florida Panthers. No, I don't know what that is. And the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL. That's hockey. It's hockey. And the Florida Panthers are up on the Carolina Hurricanes three to nothing. Okay, well, that's good. May I return? And the (sighs) Carolina Hurricanes have lost 11 Eastern Conference Final games in a row. Did you want to talk about that thing where the game went into like 20 overtimes and you calculated that if that happened in basketball, it would be the equivalent of playing basketball for three weeks straight? You want to no, – what was, was it, that theory yeah, you told me about? Yeah. The game the other day went into um, almost completed four overtimes. And the overtime in hockey is 20 minutes and there are three periods in ho- 20-minute periods in hockey as well. And I realized that in basketball, it would be the equivalent of an a 11-overtime basketball game, which nobody has ever seen. And not many people have seen that in hockey either, which is why it was the sixth longest NHL playoff game of all time. And then Carolina lost. And speaking of losers and losing, down in Florida, one of Florida's least charismatic public figures has made his intentions clear. Ron DeSantis, the current governor of that state, is officially today, I think, filing paperwork to run for president. And in just a few short hours, John, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Yeah. He's going to join Twitter Twitter guy Elon Musk, professional Twitter reply guy Elon Musk, yeah. for a live Twitter Spaces event in which we all believe Ron DeSantis will officially announce he's running for president for 2024. John, what do you make of this stunning, shocking turn of events? Uh, it is a bad idea. It's a bad. It's a bad announcement. It's we. <laughs> why would you make this announcement online like this? It's so online, right? Mm-hmm. Twitter's online. Yeah, Twitter's online. Twitter Spaces. There's no. There's no video. There's nothing. Why doesn't he just go do this standing in front of you know some really successful Florida business or something? Wait a minute. Or. I'm sorry to interrupt. What do you mean there's no spaces? There's no video on Twitter spaces. I thought Twitter spaces was like a big Zoom call. No, there's no um there's no video to it. It's what just, is it, just audio. like audio? Yeah. Yeah. That's what Twitter spaces is? That's what Twitter spaces is. It's just a bunch what? of people talking. It's great, but it's a it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, he's basically going on a radio show and announcing with Elon Musk 
that he's going to run for president. And apparently Musk is going to endorse him. Or is this just like understood as an endorsement because Musk is doing it? There's no way Musk will endorse Ron DeSantis. And what will happen, I bet, in the future is Musk Musk is trying to make himself another stop on the on the interview list. He'll probably let all the Republican candidates come on Twitter spaces. And then he'll invite Joe Biden, and Joe Biden won't do it, obviously. Uh, and then Musk will say, this is why I can't support Joe Biden. Right. You know what I mean? But Tim yeah. Scott, you can come on Twitter spaces. Donald Trump, you know Elon Musk wants Donald Trump on Twitter spaces. You're, yeah, that's brilliant. You're right. That's Isn't exactly that what what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Twitter is the town square, John. You have to understand it is a fundamental component of our democracy where viewpoints are not suppressed. And it's an important piece for community journalism. Yeah. Exactly. Citizen journalism. Citizen journalism. Exactly. Circa 2011. Jeff Jarvis. I've got an interesting question, John. If Superman was alive today, would he pay for a blue check mark on Twitter? <laughs> Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. No, I don't think he would. Do you think Superman would be on Twitter if he was a real person? Wow, this is the longest you've ever thought. That's the longest you've ever thought about anything. No. You don't think? I don't think so. All right. Would Elon Musk ban the kid who was tracking Superman's flights? The Superman tracker. Because that, because of that, gives um, Lex Luthor Superman's assassination coordinates. I don't think so. No, I don't think he would. Okay, would Batman be on Twitter? Which superheroes, John, would be on yeah. Twitter? And oh, Batman would be. I don't think he would because he. You think? Isn't he too moody and like above it all? He lives in a fucking cave. That guy's not going to. He wouldn't. He wouldn't deign to mingle with the with the hoi polloi on Twitter, right? He's Batman. He doesn't need it. I don't know. Elon Musk likes Iron Man. He doesn't like Batman, right? He thinks Iron Man is cool. I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm. I don't know. John, any who's of this cooler, things. Iron Man or Batman? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know these superheroes. Why did you, you know just, I don't Why know did this. you just point your um I'm, zoom camera I'm, at your lap? I don't know. I hope you're not going as Jeffrey Tubin for Halloween. Folks, as you have already surmised, we're back and better than ever. Nobody does it like us. Would you yeah. like to see my Jeffrey Tubin Halloween costume? Yeah. Eustace yeah. Tilly. You remember, you know how the, okay, so we're really flowing right now. Mm-hmm. And everybody, we just apologize. You know how the Let's New Yorker some time has that to get fan- back in the flow. <laughs> New Yorker has that fancy man mascot called Eustace Tilly, and he's always li- holding up a monocle and looking at a butterfly. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? He wears yep. like a high starch collar and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Eustace, well, I'm not used to the being so silly, Eustace Tilly. Now, is that a good joke? No, no, okay. no. It's not even really a joke. It's a series of words that have some similarity to each other phonetically. And I don't think that technically is a joke. It's sort of a pun. Used to, yeah, you're right. Turning back to Ron DeSantis and Elon Musk, John, if there was a predicted word market in the Twitter Spaces event that's going to take place in just a few short hours, we know woke mind virus is going to be said by one or both of these two incredibly right. charismatic and relatable humans. Mm-hmm. What are some other terms and phrases that we might hear? Remember the time that I thought they were going to say Project Veritas? I thought Donald Trump would say it. You mean during a debate? Yeah. This is back when there actually were predicted word markets on the debates. Yeah. 
And you were like, that's ridiculous. And you were right. They never mentioned Project Veritas, unfortunately. No, but Donald Trump was so online, I thought he might say, I think, you know what, Project Veritas could be mentioned. Although maybe that's out of business now. James O'Keefe, didn't he get kicked out? Yeah, they fired him for some reason. Because he was spending money. He was doing musicals and stuff. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Oklahoma. He was doing uh, Oklahoma. Are you doing a bit right now? Singing and dancing. No, I'm not doing a bit. Wait, James, James O'Keefe, the creep who ran Project Veritas. Right, was using the money to put on like some sort of community musical. Um, Are and you I telling believe, me the truth right now? I, yes, and I believe it was Oklahoma. Google James O'Keefe, Oklahoma, and just see what you comes You do that up. while I work on my new bit, which is going to be, did you hear? Here's how it goes. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Jimmy Fallon, that is, the host of the show that I'm currently on. So I don't know if you guys heard, but Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe was let go by the board because he was involved in musical theater. <laughs> That's interesting. Here's a musical I'd like to see, Project Veritas the musical. We've got you on hidden camera saying all kinds of funky shit. We are Project Veritas, and our hit musical is going to be lit. Thanks, everybody. And that's my time on The Tonight Show. <laughs> my name is One Joke Tony. I come out on stage, I tell one joke, and then I skedaddle. So I'll see you next time, somewhere down the line. I need six more months to write my next joke. All right, I'm done. I'm done um, caterwalling and stonewalling. Did you find any information? No. Okay. no you, maybe I maybe you made that up. Let's keep it moving. No, I don't think I did. Well, let's get back to talking about Ron DeSantis. Turning now, John, to my predicted portfolio. 2024 GOP presidential nominee. And I had 100 shares no in Ron DeSantis. And guess what? Those are way, way down today because it sounds like incredibly this fucker is running for fucking president. So fuck me. Six ways to Sunday. Unbelievable. I bought these at 75 cents per share. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What was I thinking? Yeah, that's horrible. How can I continue to be so wrong? I, I want to say this for the record, and I can't remember the last time I said that, but I feel like we should say it every so often. I really hope and pray that people only listen to us as a source of entertainment and not actual investment advice when it comes to political markets, because sometimes we don't do such a good job. I'm just going to say that. And, we, and I'll be transparent in a way that few other podcasts are. Sometimes we get it wrong, and the portfolio shows us that. Right. It's completely transparent. Yeah. Those of us who still trade. Yeah. Right. Which does not include you because you're done with Predicted. That's right. I'm one of the few brave souls who's still on Predicted, currently underwater to the tune of hundreds of dollars in no small part because Ron DeSantis, again, an incredibly charismatic and relatable person who has no issues when it comes to forming authentic bonds of connection with fellow humans, just like Elon Musk, is decided to run for president. It'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see that announcement and whether Twitter can uh, hold on and not have any you know glitches or anything like that. I don't think that many people are going to tune in. Nobody likes Ron DeSantis, right? He's not popular and he's a freak. And I'm seeing more and more articles where people are like, yeah, I didn't believe it when, Ron, when people said Ron DeSantis was a freak. Then I followed him on the campaign trail for a week. And yes, this man is a freak. But you know what? I think a lot of that is when – the Washington press corps sort of becomes in they they all agree that somebody like Al Gore doesn't is is a weirdo and then everything Al Gore does is completely strange. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying 
that Al Gore was not awkward. And I'm not saying that Ron DeSantis is not completely awkward. Um, but yeah, now it's it's everybody, everything he does. They're just like, oh my goodness, he there's no way. And I uh, do agree that I don't think he's going to be president, but he's not completely inept. I mean, he did win. Mm-hmm. You know, he did win in Florida, the governorship. On the other hand, I say he's a freaking a weirdo. So there's that. Yeah, I do. I think he it by watching him, he looks like he's very unhappy doing what he's doing. He does not being to, alive. He, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm telling you. I look at him yeah. and I'm like, that guy looks really depressed. Right. That guy oh, that's looks right. Ha- you recognize guy, him as a fellow. Yeah, as a fellow. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, that's what I would look like. I'd walk in. I'd be like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, smells good. Then I'd be like, going, God damn it, what am I doing here? Because that's what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying on the inside. He's just like, he's Another so mad. Suffering on this accursed mortal plane. Yeah, like yeah. I can just tell that this guy is raging behind the scenes at the, you know, the people that are letting him down or or I don't know what. But it would be what it, where I would be if somebody had forced me to be president, run for president. Well, we can't wait to see what happens on the Twitter spaces tonight. How the, how's that for a good conclusion? That sounds great. Or I great. should say we can't wait to hear what happens because apparently, according to John, they don't even have video on this thing. I thought Twitter – like what the fuck? What's going on with Twitter? No, they, it never no, had video? They, no. So it's always just an insane conference call basically. The worst form of communication ever devised. Yep. Huh. That's, that's it. Yep. Well, you learn something new every day. It might be something that you know they're going to roll out in the future. There's okay. a lot of things they keep talking about and how they're going to roll them out. So, and what on Twitter? Yeah. What's the latest on Twitter, John? What's the scene like on Twitter? Oh, the scene is dead for sure. Really? It's over. Yeah. No, the scene is completely over. It's the search doesn't work. Uh, you know, earlier, I think it was last week. If you searched cat, you would find like animal torture videos. There's horrible uh, videos that are on Twitter. Hmm. So, and, um, you know, the blue checks are all run by scammers and yeah, just misinformation bots. And they are at the top of all replies on Twitter. The blue check mark thing is truly, truly something to behold and to ponder. The Everything about the new regime of paying for blue check marks, there's just so much. There's so much going on there. It's it's almost hard to to apprehend it all at once, in terms of Elon Musk being dumb and completely misunderstanding what like it's just. There's just so much to consider there. It truly feels like one of the fables of our time. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, we have a lot of listener questions. They've been building up. But we did want to res- we did want to respectfully try to answer some of these listener queries. Before we do that, however, I want to make a special announcement to all the EPM listeners in the Great Lakes region of the Twin Cities. Are the Twin Cities near the Great Lakes? Hold on, mm, they're Let in me the. Bring up uh, my map of the Upper Midwest. Long story short, I'm coming back to St. Paul, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, because on Saturday, June third. I will be once again overseeing the sharpening of the Lake of the Isles pencil, the massive public sculpture in the form of a yellow number two pencil. We had the inaugural sharpening last year. Uh, 
lo and behold, they've decided to make it an annual event, and I have once again been invited to oversee this public spectacle. So if you have friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, tell them to Google Lake of the Isles Pencil. That's L-O-T-I Pencil. And yours truly, that's me, Kid Midas, the original pencil sharpener, will be in Minneapolis to oversee that event. That's Saturday, June 3rd. That's a week after next week. Or wait, a weekend. It's the weekend after the upcoming weekend. It's two weekends from now. That's be fun. So I hope to see you there. Come on out. Speaking of uh, places that people go in cities, one of the corrections is uh, about the lyrics to uh, Heart of Rock and Roll. Oh, my God. We're really going back to this question. (laughs) (laughs) David made a correction. And then in his correction, once again, said that uh, the lyrics were, the heart of rock and roll was in Cleveland. Right. The Huey Lewis and the news. Why were we talking about this song, the heart of rock and roll? We were talking about, um, I feel like we've talked about this for years. Well, I like talking about this topic. It feels very calming and stable to yeah. me to continually discuss songs about rock and roll, rock and roll you songs. You thought rock it and roll. was by Bob, Bob Seger Peter. and the silver, silver bullet. Band. And exactly. I thought you were doing a bit. So I let and you I wasn't go. doing a bit. Right. So we had our first round of corrections about it. Yeah. But when you did your correction and you were wrong again and said that the heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland, I right. did not correct you that time. Not because I thought you were doing a bit because I thought it said that the heart of rock and roll was in Cleveland. What he is singing is the heart of rock and roll is still beating. Beating. But. but at the end At the of the end, song, he says, the heart of rock and roll is still beating in Cleveland. Exactly. So really. Detroit. Yep. And he starts. Yep. Heart of rock and roll. Dun, 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 dun. And apparently he mentions two North Carolina cities. Charlotte. Rally too. Those were the ones that they specially added in for the small markets. This is like when they did um, We Built This City, another great song about rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. They inserted regionally appropriate shout outs based on where the radio affiliates were. That's right. Okay, got it. So that's so we apologize. David apologizes for getting that wrong. I apologize for getting that wrong. It's not he's not saying the heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland, even though he should be because that's where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. Like that's what I always thought it was about. Although I guess yeah. the song actually precedes the establishment of the Rock Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. You're right. It does. Do you think that's why they picked Cleveland yes, as the site of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Because they thought he said song? Because they made that mistake as well. Exactly. I made the same mistake as the founders of the world's greatest museum dedicated exclusively to rock and roll. Yeah. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In Cleveland. Which is in Cleveland. You have a big long thing here about this song is defensive and reactionary. The band is shot in a black and white for the video. Oh, right. With so other, I, what I, is I, re-wa- I rewatched the video. Good Lord. For, I'm really doing a deep dive this, on this fucking This movie. You <laughs> went deep. Yeah. Okay. Here are my notes. The song is defensive and reactionary. In the music video, the shot, the band is shot in black and white, and then they're intercut with the greats of rock and roll like Elvis, Chuck Berry, etc. Mm-hmm. As if Huey Lewis and the News are on the level of these. I guess they're. I guess they're. This is a. This is um an exercise in myth making. This is Huey Lewis and the News very explicitly assuming the mantle of classic rock and roll greats like Chuck right. Berry and Elvis Presley, and saying we too are at the black and white footage level of rock and roll 
history. And then there's a shot of Huey Lewis in the News going to a new wave or like punk club in what looks to be New York City and watching a bunch of weirdos put on a gig and Huey Lewis in the News looking all uh, looking all distressed and disturbed because what is this music? This is not true rock and roll. And the whole song is about, oh, there's all this new type of music, but really like, like, let, let me read some of this. Okay. Here's the, here's the first verse of the song. New York, New York is everything they say, and there's no place that I'd rather be. So at least they're being cosmopolitan. Then he says, where else can you do half a million things all at a quarter to three? When they play their music, ooh, that is modern music. Is it by music, a quarter of three or at a quarter of three? I think it's at a quarter of three. When they play their music, ooh, that modern music, they like it with a lot of style. And then this is where they get conservative again. You think like, oh, these guys are open to like the no wave scene or like ABC No Rio or like, you know, CBs. This is really interesting. Huey Lewis and the News is very hip. But no, then the last line in the verse is, but it's still that same old backbeat rhythm that really, really drives them wild. L.A. Hollywood, the Sunset Strip is something everyone should see. Neon lights and the pretty, pretty girls all dressed so scantily. When they play that music, well, no, sorry. <laughs> this is actually a really great line. When they play their music, that hard rock music, they like it with a lot of flash. But it's still that same old backbeat rhythm that really, really kicks them in the <gasps> bump, bump, bump. Yeah, exactly. And the then again, they, the chorus is yeah. the celebration, the heart of rock. Why are we still talking about this fucking song? All right, that's done. Johnny, ow! What were Huey Lewis in the news? They really occupied a very unique space, and there's much to learn about that band because they presented themselves as a throwback act as kind of squares, right? They even had a song called A Tip to Be Square. Was that them too? Yeah. Yeah. Something's going on with that band. Okay. I think, I Where think were we they from? Keep, Where were we they from? keep an eye on them. Well, you would think they were from Ohio, right? But they're from somewhere really weird. I remember looking it up. I think they're from California. Let me check really quick. Huey yeah. Lewis and the news where from art they the answer is where be they from san francisco uh, now how can that be yeah that's weird yeah. do you think they ever played a show with the dead with the grateful dead yeah yeah they, yeah do you think or they the did residents? like do you um, think they ever played with the residents I, because this is the kind of thing where i bet they knew the guys in the residents because they're all the same age and they were all in the bay area and you would think how could there be two more two bands with less in common huey lewis in the news and the residents but i guarantee those guys have partied together right bay area okay. bands yeah maybe working with synthesizers going on yeah. mtv what if, what if on heart, I knew we said we were going to stop talking about this fucking song. What if in the heart of rock and roll, they were like, San Francisco, yeah. music scene. They got guys with eyeballs and tuxedos. They make that freaking music, really freaking music. Hello, Skinny's got a lot of style. <laughs> oh, friends, you got to check out the resident hit song, yeah. Hello, Skinny. <laughs> yeah. That's- Remember that song, Hello Skinny? Yeah. Hey, did, when, okay, so remember the residents, speaking yeah. of residents, you know, one of them stopped wearing the eyeball outfit because it was stolen. Mm. You remember Their this? The famous eyeballs they used to wear, right? Yeah. And, and, and was wearing a black skull. Yeah, that sounds familiar. But that was for a long time. And, and when I looked up the residents recently, that skull's not there. They just, hmm. they're, now they're all eyeballs again. My memory about the residence is that I remember going to the dentist's office as a kid when we were in the height of our residence in Ralph Records 
ecstasy back in seventh or eighth grade, I suppose it was. And there was a article in People magazine about the residents. They had a full <laughs> gatefold, gatefold photo of all of them wearing their eyeballs and tuxedos, I think standing in front of the Golden Gate Bridge. Like they got featured in People magazine. That's great. And I remember thinking, oh, this culture is about to change. The residents are in the same magazine as like Tom Selleck and uh, all the other. Fa- like I was like, well, there's no turning back now. Welcome to the Ralph Records era, America. But it didn't really. It didn't really take off. No, no, that didn't happen. All right, let's keep going with our listener questions. Do we want to do this ad read here? Yeah, bang it out real quick. Oh my God! Seriously, you're going to make me do this? I know this is okay. So this this <clears> okay. Next this ad. is going to be crazy. Okay, <laughs> this is the first ad we've ever done for a sponsor who is sponsoring an event rather than a product or service. This is an event. All right, here we go. After nearly a decade long hiatus from live performance. Chris Masters Dance returns with the premiere of Mausoleum at BAM, June 2nd through the 4th. Mausoleum, a place to acknowledge and remember a past that has been laid to rest, a dance work that considers and interrupts what has come, making way for tomorrow. Finding underpinning in Zuboff's The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, Sartre's No Exit, Piketty's Capital and Ideology, and Virgil's Aeneid, we interrogate these questions through rigorous generative tasks, empowering collaborators to embrace their individual and indelible histories, to forge a mausoleum in the fire of their experiences and perspectives. Keep in mind, this is a dance performance, just in case you're getting, just in case you're bewildered. Overstimulating (laughs) and nonstop. The work investigates our overconsumption of media, addiction to drama, inertia that concretizes unsustainable forms of life and work, and the inextricable link between love and loss. The result is work that functions not as declarative, but rather as interrogative. Mm. Interrogative. Mm. There is no right answer. But there's also no right question. You are encouraged to embrace your unique history and perspective to ask your own questions and provide your own answers. The work remains fundamentally unfinished without you. We took a break to regroup and ensure we can live up to our standards of labor equity, paying collaborators in excess of many with much more extensive funding. That sentence is written from the perspective of the dance troupe. This this dance company, Chris Masters Dance... I guess they solicit fundraising because they pay their collaborators more than more they have than, to. More than think. the others, right. So every donation will go toward our diverse team of collaborators, enabling us to push back against the prevailing toxic and unsustainable forms of exploitation of working artists. And it says donate here, and there's a very long link, but I made a bit.ly link, oh. and it is bit.ly slash Chris Masters Dance, and that will take you to the givelively.org uh, where you can make a donation if you would you like. You can make a donation there to support this dance company, or you can go to BAM, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, the weekend of June 2nd through 4th to see their new performance piece, Mausoleum. That's right. This has got to be this has got to be one of the only dance pieces that references Thomas Piketty's capital and ideology. So this this should be right up your alley, all you Brooklyn nerds who listen to this podcast. Tickets available at bam.org slash mausoleum. Again, Chris Masters Dance returns with the premiere of Mausoleum at BAM. 
June 2nd through the 4th. I hope all they do is dance around to Heart of Rock and Roll by Huey Lewis in the news. Wouldn't that just be the greatest twisteroo of all time? That would be. They're like, we're here to interrogate the uh, Heart of Rock and Roll and and whether it's still beating. Moving along, we got an email weeks ago from somebody who was about to be running the sound at a private party at the estate of one Harlan Crow, I think in the Garden of Evil. Remember when we were talking about that guy? Yeah, yeah. This is um, Clarence Thomas's secret friend who who pays for him and his wife to travel all over the world without disclosing anything. And I think also paid for Clarence Thomas's nephew's private school or something. And he has this garden of dictator statues called the garden of evil. Anyway, one of our listeners was running sound at a party at the garden of evil. They claim. Yeah. We just, they're anonymous. If that happened, please write us back. We want an update. That's interesting. They said that they, the money was tight, so they had to take the job. Hey man, we don't judge. We don't judge. People do a lot of different things for money. Just as Clarence Thomas. How about that? Christopher writes in, All the recent talk of thrift store treasures reminded me of a discovery I made a few years ago. It's not an LP, but I was browsing at a used bookstore in my hometown near Fort Worth, Texas, when I came across a hardcover copy of a book called Stud by Phil Andros. That's Stud. The S is a dollar sign. Mm -hmm. I had recently read a biography of the author, whose real name was Samuel Stewart, and I figured the book had to be worth more than the $7 it was marked as. I bought it, took it out to my car, and immediately Googled it, and sure enough, I saw a copy listed for sale on Alibris for $2,000. Yes. I'm not sure... But since it was published in 1966, shortly after the obscenity laws were struck down, I think it might be the first gay pulp novel to have been sold legally in the U.S. At any rate, it's been fun owning a piece of gay porn history, and I wish I knew how it ended up at the Half Price Books in a very conservative suburban town in North Texas. Um, I Yeah. It makes perfect sense that that's where it is. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. that said, I'm not very sentimental. And also, I'm trying to buy an apartment. So I'd happily part with it if any of your listeners want to own it and have $2,000 to spend. Did we just do an ad for him? I think that I think we did. And I think that's okay because I think this Chris, this Christopher, I should say, I think I know this person, John. And not only do I think I know this person, I think this I think this person and I enjoyed one of the great creative collaborations of my life. I think this is the Christopher who designed a little book called How to Sharpen Pencils. Long since out of print, but in its time more than 10 years ago, this was a book that landed with with an explosive impact on American culture. Yeah. In part because of the very very talented book design work of this Christopher who is now offering up for sale for the low low price of $2000. Another incredibly well-designed book based on this this cover, which is very striking, Stud by Phil Andros. So if it's $2,000, just because another is listed for $2,000, I mean, that other one might be in complete mint condition. Uh, I don't know, because I found a Gone with the Wind, one of the originals, and I was like, oh, this is going to be worth so much. And it was like, no, it's not worth anything. I well, well, let's see. Hmm, which which book do you think the more copies were printed of? Gone with the Wind <laughs> or Stud by Phil I, I well. Okay. Also, if there's a particular market for something, yeah, it goes for more money, right? A specialty market collectors will pay more. And I imagine if this is a, an early gay pulp novel, 
and it's a hardback because he sent a he's he sent a photo oh, yeah. of the cover, that's and it's true. in good shape. It has the dust jacket in good shape. Yeah, I could that's see this important. Being expensive. Yeah, totally. You know, I know about books. If someone is interested in buying this collectible from Christopher, as Christopher tries to scrimp and save to buy an apartment. Get in touch. Contact at Election Profit Makers. I will broker the deal commission-free. I will take no commission because I know this Christopher, and he's a great guy. But I will hook you up with Christopher and, and negotiate, help you negotiate the sale of this iconic book. Get See, I've never – in all my years of looking through thrift stores, I've never found something worth more than like $100, $200 max. To find a book that goes for $2,000 is a master stroke, we must admit. Yeah. Right, John? Yeah. Yeah, Congratulations, Christopher. Best yeah. of luck. Great to hear from you. Let's hang out at some point. I don't know where you are these days, Christopher. I remember that you were – I think, Christopher, if, I'm, if I may now just use my podcast as just a telephone call to my old friend who I haven't spoken to in years, I think right before COVID hit, you and I were both in L.A. and then COVID hit. And then we all know how that went, i.e. total disaster. Yeah. Is it safe bad. to say that? Yeah, it are is. Are we far now. enough away from COVID now that we can refer to it as an unmitigated disaster? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's keep moving. Okay. Hey, you know, we talked about Whitney Houston a few weeks ago. That was another, that's an ever, evergreen topic that we'll never tire of revisiting. Who among John's family went to go see Whitney Houston at the Dean Dome back in the 1980s? John was convinced that nobody in his family went, least of all his parents, although I had a very vivid memory of him telling me that his parents went on a date to see Whitney Houston. Lo and behold, after John publicly announced on this podcast that his parents did not see Whitney Houston, he found out the bitter truth, which is actually a lovely truth, which is that, yes, his parents did go see Whitney Houston in concert, even though his dad has since forgotten entirely about it. It was mm -hmm. John's mom who remembered they did go. And we actually interviewed her on a previous episode about that Whitney Houston concert. That's right. She remembered lots of details about the concert and, and all sorts of things. And yep. And Whitney Houston was not in a good mood. It was the end of the tour and she was complaining a lot. And there were rumors about her dating UNC basketball star, Michael Jordan. It just sounds like she had an off night. And we right. found multiple accounts of that concert in which that stuff was brought up. She was tut-tutted for not being a gracious performer. Right. Since that time, we have also heard from another member of John's family who attended that. John is stunningly, John is the only person in his family who was not at this Whitney Houston concert. We turn now to this audio recorded some weeks ago. This is David Reese. Hey, David. Hey, Julie. 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 Yeah. Okay. You, are you there? Julie. Yeah. Can you, Hi. can you hear David? Hi. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. I know, you You still sound the same. So do you, how are you? I'm good, how about you? I'm doing all right, thanks for asking, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Um. So I understand there's a new twist in our ongoing um, investigation into who in your family went to this damn Whitney Houston concert. Yes, Um. I had no idea my parents went. What? I had no idea. How am I the only one? How am I the only person? Of all the people, why do I know this and you guys don't? Yeah. I don't I, know. It's so weird. What was going on in the Kimball household in November of 1987? Did we families for a minute? Like, was there a parent swap thing? So nobody remembers it. I remember it. listening to a bunch of NPR, which is probably what your parents Wow. Right? wow. Right out of the gate, dissing my parents. Wow. <laughs> not dissing them, just speaking truth. That's a pretty rude thing to say, all things considered. Oh, ah. Nice. I like it. So, 
Yeah. So, so Julie, you now know some of what happened. Dad claimed that I originally claimed that this didn't happen. David said he had this memory. I said it never happened. And then we got dad on the phone and he corroborated everything and said, no, none of this happened. And then it turned out that he talked to mom later on and she said, yeah, it did happen. And so we got mom on and then we interviewed mom and then we talked about it and we talked about how strange it was that they went to go see it and how that really the only Whitney Houston fan in the household was it, Julie. It was me. Yes. She was like my favorite singer. Right. But so that would have been the time where mom would say, yeah, and Julie went. But she didn't say that. And then so I asked you, do you remember them going? And you said, no, I don't remember them going. I only remember me going. And then you went. No, no, no. Uh, That was I'm paraphrasing. Julie said, I only remember me myself going. Right. Wait, right. Julie. Wait. Tell me. Tell me once and for all who went to this concert in your household. Tell me now. So my mom and dad apparently went, which I didn't realize until your podcast. Um, and I went. This is all the same concert, the infamous concert yes. we've been researching. Yes. And here's the weird thing. I I know I did not go with my parents, which my kids were kind of freaked out about. They were like, you were only 12. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's kind of how it was back then. So who did you go with? Well, I went with my best friend at the time, Jane Bird. But did her parents come? No, we just got dropped out of there. <laughs> oh <my. laughs> uh, classic. We'll be that's back in two old. hours. We'll pick you up in front of the Dome yeah. in two hours. That's how all the concerts were. So are you sure that I wasn't there? Bro, everybody went to this con- Everybody in your household went to this concert except for you. And you have no memory of any of this. Why would you have gone to a Whitney Houston concert? Well, why would any of you have gone to a Whitney's? I mean, I liked her. I know, but you, you were I, you were I, six I, years old. You should. You were too. <laughs> you were too young to be going to Whitney Houston without any parents. And so, m- mom had all these memories of it. And do you yeah. have any memory of it? No, not no. I don't remember anything except you know, listening to her sing. I don't remember her bad attitude, which it sounds like she had. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember any of that. I just remember, you know, her singing. Amazing. So amazing. A lot of memories. I bet your grandparents were at the concert too. (laughs) Probably. Or maybe they were at home babysitting John. Yeah. Yeah. Who was, yeah. Who was, where, Maybe well, I was. Fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, I was fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know yeah. where I was. I was losing my hearing at David's house. Yeah. Um, oh, what night of the week was the concert? Do we remember? Did well, you it was. That out? Yeah, it was November twenty first, nineteen eighty seven. But what night of the week? I'm gonna. I'm. I'm afraid if I. Touch my computer, I'll mess up the recording. November 21st, 1987? Yeah, you can just ask what day it was. It should tell you. It was a Saturday. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you weren't at my house because we usually had band practice on Fridays. Hmm. I was 15. I was probably out on a date. Yeah, you were probably out kissing and cuddling. Yeah. (laughs) 
All right. Well, I was glad to have this additional bit of information. That's amazing. Yeah. You guys really represent, you guys, the, you know, the Kimball household really showed up and represented for Whitney Houston. We really did. Yeah. Did you ever see her again? Nope. Never saw her again. What's the best concert you've ever seen in your life? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. Oh, gosh. Guar? Yeah. No. Have you seen Guar? No, I'm kidding. No, I haven't seen Guar. Um, uh, did did you ever go see R.E.M.? Yeah, I saw R.E.M. You remember, Not- remember when R.E.M., when they came, they also had a bad reputation because... Remember yeah. there was an article that Michael Stipe was like really pouty and mean about not wanting to play requests or something. Maybe the Dean Dome just brings out the worst in performers. Interesting. Well, I remember hearing that it wasn't a good venue. Like I remember mm. people complaining, um, specifically Grateful Dead fans complaining about because they played in Chapel Hill. Uh-huh. Right. Did you remember that? And they complained about it not being a good venue. I mean, <laughs> because they didn't let them burn the whole place down. Apparently, Probably. what we've read is that the Grateful Dead is what ended the concerts in Chapel Hill. Was that the dead? Oh, really? The Deadheads just like took over the town, and uh, maybe there was like a bad pyrotechnics event, and then yeah. the town I was mean, like, "We're I, over it." I, I mean, Chapel Hill—that—that's not a good fit. All right. All right. Good stuff. Thank right. you, Julie, for right. doing this. Yeah, no problem. All, All right. right, Julie, bye. I will always love bye. you. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. Okay. All right, hanging up. But, John, that's not all. We also got a letter from our dear old high school classmate, Noah. Take it away, Noah. Noah writes in, Hello, David and John. Back in junior high between 1986 and 1988, Zach M., David K. and Peter W. and I got a job picking up trash in the Dean Dome after events. We had to get our parents' signature on some work documents to be able to do this. Anyway, we only did this on weekends and in the summer because it was a long night, but it was fun. We picked up trash after several concerts, including Genesis, Bruce Springsteen, and Whitney Houston, as well as a few basketball games. That is one of the elements that contributed to me being interested in concert production as a career path. I remember the Whitney Houston concert because we snuck in while it was still going on. Mm. She performed on a round stage in the middle of the arena, which was different from the other shows that I saw there. Peter found a poster of her and Zach found a calculator. So please ask your listeners if anyone (laughs) lost their calculator at a Whitney Houston concert in Chapel Hill in the 80s. I will try to help them get it back. John, we have our next mystery to solve. Who lost a calculator? <laughs> Who would bring a calculator? At a, at a Whitney Houston. That can't. The calculator, I, I, let's, let's posit that the calculator was actually lost at the Whitney Houston concert. It's not like it was lost two days earlier at a basketball game when right. someone was trying to calculate Timo Mackinnon's minutes played or something, right? Right. No. Let's assume someone did bring a calculator to the Whitney Houston concert. Can Just for the though, record, Timo yeah. Mackinnon never played in the. He had zero game. minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, guess I mean, he played, but he had that. already graduated by the time we moved to the Smith Center. Oh, really? He yeah. never played in the. Oh, let's, 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 let's no, put that no, aside. No, no, we got no, too no. much yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, too, we'll talk about that later. All right, all right, all right. What if it was Whitney Houston's calculator? Would your mind be blown? 
Yes, it would be. If on the back and it was etched in the back in the plastic case of the calculator, it said Whitney's calculator. I wonder what kind of calculator it was. Texas Instruments. Probably. Yeah, it's got to be a Texas Instruments. And yeah. I wonder, Noah, write back and tell us, was it a scientific calculator? Those yeah. things were, those were expensive. Going hard as fuck in the 80s. Yeah. The things you could like plot a sine wave on it and stuff. They like, had like graphs and stuff. Remember that? Could you? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think they had like, they were like video games. It was like a handheld video game. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep it moving. Jeff Jackson. Oh, Jeff Jackson. Good Lord. Jeff Jackson. We got so many emails about John's theory that Jeff Jackson is lip syncing his TikTok videos. And John and I can't remember if we've already addressed this. We're 99% sure that we have, but we got so many listener emails about it. But this, this one from David is a good one. Okay. So let's start with this one, David. David writes in, hi, friends. I'm calling to offer some insight into John's speculation about whether Representative Jeff Jackson is using ADR or redubbing his TikTok videos. I don't think he is, and I will explain why. I think we can all guess that Representative Jackson is probably recording his videos with his phone. As David mentioned, he could be using some kind of off-board mic. In fact, he should be because it's really easy to do that with a phone and it's really common. I also, however, <laughs> as I'm reading this, I'm going into Jeff Jackson. I like it. Yeah, no. you should read it in Jeff Jackson. I also, style. however, agree with John <laughs> that his mouth movements look kind of uncanny, not 100% matching. I have had the experience before of recording video, having some kind of audio problem with it, and then having to redub it to match my own prior performance. It's definitely possible, and it's not even that difficult, because you are matching your own natural cadence and tone. But it is indeed laborious. That was my Jeff Jackson. Okay. That was good. Uh, because of the aforementioned uncanny nature of the videos, I can't rule out that that's what Representative Jackson is doing. But if you look at this particular video as an example, and he has a link to this particular TikTok video... He says in this video, he includes a clip of another news anchor from a TV show and also a clip of he himself on the news. In both cases, the audio is equally crisp and present as Jeff Jackson's home cell phone footage. So whatever is happening with the audio is happening to all the audio in this entire oh, clip. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. Like it's all been mastered at the That's same level right. or something. Right. Okay. He continues, recently, there have been huge leaps in AI sound editing technology. Specifically, I would like to point you to an app called Adobe Podcast Enhance. You can upload an audio file that sounds terrible and the AI app will identify speech, strip out background noise and EQ the voices so it sounds like you are right up on a mic. Uh, it's an incredible uh, tool specifically for fixing shitty cell phone videos intended for social media. Okay. I don't know if Representative Jackson is using this exact app or if there is something very similar already built into TikTok. I wouldn't be surprised if there were, but he is also clearly editing TV clips into his post. So he is doing some kind of post production and there are probably similar tools in Premiere and every other video editing program now. As an aside, David and I have never met, but we have lots of mutual acquaintances. My comic strip, Wonder Mark, was in many alt-weeklies alongside Get Your War On back in the uh, 2000s. 
Uh-huh. I enjoy listening to the podcast, and I've even subscribed on Patreon before there were any stickers to give away. Keep up the good work, fellas. Nice to hear from you, David. Send me your address to contactelectionprofitmakers.com. we got to get you some stickers, obviously. Yeah. Fellow cartoonists from the 2000s definitely owed some stickers. So, John, David says they're doing some post-production on Jeff Jackson's cell phone videos, and that certainly sounds reasonable to me. But I agree with David. I don't think he's lip syncing. Yeah, but it's it is overly produced, and that's why it's off putting to me. Got it. You're more DIY. You like the kind of scruffiness of like um, just yeah, yeah. I hear you. It just seems a little more. It's just over polished. The way the man himself appears to be over polished, right? right? Right. Yeah, I get you. I get you. All right. I think we should stop making the podcast now. Okay. I don't mean forever. I don't think we should retire no. far from it. I think we're just hitting our stride and the better, brighter days are ahead of us. Okay. Um, but I will say that it's time to end this episode. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. We welcome your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash election profit makers. You can send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you want to advertise with us, email contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Uh, bye. Bye. Yeah, I'll see you next week. Hey, I'll about see you next, next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, next week. What's up? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be leaving Tuesday morning to go down to this concert in Atlanta. Oh, right. You're going to a concert. Yeah. Well, let's so, record on Monday. Fuck it. Yeah. Can we do that? Right? Yeah. yeah. Let's record on Monday. Let's yeah, keep them guessing, John. Let's keep the first rule of podcasting. First rule to building a loyal it, listener. Listener is to keep just them guessing. Yeah. Keep, keep them, them guessing, guessing and keep it coming out at all sorts of different hours. Yeah. People it drives them crazy that. with desire. The passion and desire is second to none. We are your election profit makers. Talk to you next time. Bye.